Good morning. I do hope that you guys are enjoying this series on the seven churches as much as I have because I've studied this for years. I've worked with other teams working on this. And in this process of looking at the seven churches of Asia Minor that Jesus himself is addressing, we have the privilege of seeing the heart of God for his church. One, without any question, without any question, he loves his church. There's no question about that. So we're going to be in Thyatira. Thyatira was a military outpost to begin with. It was used for defense. And then as time went on, became a place of trade guilds. And in those trade guilds, unless you were worshiping idols and the emperor, then you did not work. You had no place in that culture or that society. And so there's pressure in the church in Thyatira to what? Compromise. The same thing we saw in other churches. The same thing we're seeing in church today. Compromise. Let me give you a slight illustration. Uh, 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, when we started the Good Samaritan Medical Clinic. For those who don't know, we have the Good Samaritan Medical Clinic that operates. It's on Church Street. And in that clinic, the medically underserved of Chester get free medical service. Doctors, medicine, therapy, they get it. Grace of God. It is a grace of God. And we have 1,300 patients at the medical clinic. They're not there every week, just so you know, but that's who we have. So years ago, we're starting out, and we had zero dollars. Zero dollars. We... We got stuff from Winthrop University. We got stuff from the hospital. We went into doctor's basements and got equipment. Wherever we could find equipment, we went and we got it to help get this clinic up and going. And then we came up with this bright idea. We could raise money if we did fundraisers. In case you guys don't know, I am not a fundraiser, okay? My family says I'm not even fun at all, but that's beside the point. I'm just... (laughs) You know, just fundraising to me was like, really? We got to do this? But we tried it. And we did okay. But then these leaders of our community came to me and they said, Steve, this is such a great thing. Let us help you do this because we know how to raise money. I thought, oh, this is great. Get this monkey off my back. Let somebody else carry it. Yeah, we'll do it. I said, well, explain to me what you would do different than what we're doing already. They said, oh, it's real simple. When you have those meals, those banquets, and you ask people to come and and contribute, what you're leaving out is alcohol. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have a Christian ministry for people's health, and you're telling me what we're leaving out is alcohol. They said, listen, when people come to these banquets... We can make thousands of dollars selling alcohol. We've yet to have a banquet where we sold alcohol, just so you know. And guess what? 20-something years later, the clinic is still functioning. The people are still getting their services, being provided for, grace of God, his provision, 
in ways that we can honestly sit and spend hours telling you the supernatural things that God has done, is doing, and will continue to do. And we're so grateful to him for doing that. So that's an illustration of compromise. So now in Thyatira, remember Jesus is talking, and he's talking to the angel of the church, the euangelion, the messenger, which is the pastor of the church. And again, I understand that a lot of pastors have done some really stupid stuff. And maybe all pastors don't deserve the respect and honor that they should have. But you cannot read Revelations 2 and 3 and think that Jesus feels that they're not to be respected or honored. It doesn't mean perfect. It's not what it means. But what it means is when God's going to deal with the church, he's going to do it through the leadership of the church. So at this church, Thyatira, as I mentioned, once a military outpost and then mostly trade guild, and people were working with all the trades and making quite a bit of money. The son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this. So Jesus Christ is talking to his church. Did you get that? That's what the case has been in each of the churches we have addressed so far. Jesus Christ is talking to his church and he describes himself as the son of God. The one who has eyes like flames of fire. His feet are like burnished bronze. Here's what he says, I know your deeds. Every one of these he's talking about, he knows us. He knows us. He knows us. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. Never think, please, please, please never think that God does not know where you are, that God does not know what you're doing, and God does not know what you're going through because he does. And guess what? He cares. He really does. Look what he says. I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, that your deeds of late are greater than at first. He says, man, you guys, look what you've done. You're in this place where compromise has become the way of life. And you've not been willing to do that. But instead, you've stayed the task. You persevered. And not only that, but as you continued, you've continued to grow. And it's gotten better. I do hope that each of you take the time. And you'll have to make the time. Because our lives are so busy. And pull away for some quiet time with God. So you can hear Jesus talk to you like he talked to the churches in Revelation. So he can tell us what's going on. He cares. He knows. He wants us to know. But there's that word again. Man, you guys are doing great. You guys really are doing great. But I have this against you. Again, when Jesus lovingly gives us the commendations of all that he's blessed us with, and we are the church in the last age walking these things out, when he says, but it's time to pay attention. There's something there because he's putting his finger on something, and he says, 
But this I have against you that you tolerate this woman, Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess. And she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. He said, there is a woman of prominence in your church who is misleading people in your church. And what I have against you is this. You're letting it happen. Now again, when Jesus puts his finger on something, we have to take note of what that is. So let's hang out here just for a second and find out, well, who is Jezebel? It isn't likely that her name was really Jezebel. But he's referencing someone in the Old Testament who was the queen of Israel and her husband Ahab was the king. And she was a mess. And I'm putting it lightly. She was the daughter of a pagan king who had married Ahab, the king of Israel. And with her came all her worship of idols and all her mess she brought and began to impose it on the nation of Israel. In fact, she was so, uh, what's the word, manipulative. Because her whole goal, now listen carefully here, her whole goal was to gain control. That was always it, to gain control. She did not care who she had to hurt or what she had to do as long as she could move her way into a place of control. And here's something you have to be mindful of in this, because as we talk about this today, I don't want you to leave with misunderstanding, but if there is a Jezebel, there's an Ahab. Now, what does that mean? That means that there's someone in leadership somewhere that this person, and by the way, it's not gender bias. It typically is female, but I've seen it both sides, male and female. And all the time, it's manipulating and intimidating to gain control, using the protection of the leadership to do so. Typically, as in the Old Testament, the husband was king, she was queen, she did her dirties, and she did it under his protection. To the point that one day... King Ahab decides he wants a guy's vineyard. Naboth's vineyard. He wants the vineyard. So he goes to Naboth and says, I want, and Naboth says, are you kidding me? This vineyard has been in my family for generations. I'm not selling you my vineyard. He comes home, has his lip poked out. And his wife, Jezebel, says, why you got your lip poked out? Well, I wanted the vineyard. And Naboth won't sell it to me. So I'm upset. 
I'm depressed. I'm whatever. I'm pouting. And because she was who she was, here's what she said. I'll take care of that, darling. And she does. She brings claims against Naboth that he was anti-king. And then gets witnesses to say that. And then you know what they do? They kill him. And then she goes into her husband and says, Look, darling, Naboth's dead. The vineyard is yours. Now, as we think about someone of this nature, it's pretty, pretty, pretty nasty stuff. And not only that, she claims to be a prophetess. In other words, Elijah was the prophet during the time of Ahab and Jezebel. And she was claiming that she had the same authority that God had given Elijah. In fact, she was so intimidating of all the nation that the prophets of God had either been killed or they were in hiding. And she was raising up this huge generation of pagan, idol-worshiping prophets. God, and you'll see how this plays out here in Revelations in a little bit, God had enough of it. So he instructs Elijah to take on the prophets of Baal who were serving under Jezebel. And they have this big showdown, kind of like the OK Corral on the top of the mountain. One guy with his God against 450 prophets and their God. And guess what happens? The one guy with his God, who is Jehovah, annihilates all the prophets of Baal. Now, I've never been in one of those battles like that. But after the battle, and there's a lot more to the story about not having rain for three and a half years and then how God gave the rain and how God used Elijah through that whole process. Jezebel finds out that Elijah has wiped out her prophets. And she says, you tell him this. (laughs) He's going to die. Now, this guy has just had this incredible mountaintop victory and he takes off running for his life. My point of sharing that as I am is to help you realize when this spirit, because there is a spirit to this that influences people, it can bring such devastation and so much fear that people who normally are not afraid become afraid. It's weird. So over the years... I've had a few encounters with Jezebel in different venues. I have a friend who's had much more of an encounter than I have. And so I reached out to ask them 
and I'll share some of that finding with you that we came together. Um, but the whole thing we have to remember is this. When someone is using any form of authority to control other people, and they're using manipulation and intimidation, that's not God. That's not God. Doesn't matter who does it, it's not God. So look what Jesus says to the Jezebel in the church in Thyatira. I gave her time to repent. Now, what does that mean? I gave her time to repent. Well, first of all, repentance mean, means change of mind that results in change of action. Meaning we're doing something one way. It isn't what God wants for us to do. So the Spirit of God, this way it's supposed to happen. The Spirit of God brings conviction. Our minds are changed. And then we correct our course with his help and his strength. And she does not want to repent. Or he says, I offered repentance, but she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. Now, this is not something that we talk about all the time, thank goodness. But when someone is attempting or even doing what is talked about here in the church, it's to be stopped. Nice and simple, to be stopped. Now, you, of course, do that as a spiritual warfare. And a lot of times people don't realize how influenced they have become by this. But I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent. So when I reached out to my friend, who's had a lot more experience with Jezebel than I have, I asked if his observation was the same as my observation. Here's my observation. The way to know, just so you know, there's not a demon behind every bush. There's not what this is about. But the way to know, if you're dealing with a Jezebel, is when you tell them no. Now, nobody likes to be told no. Uh, okay, I got that. But this is different. When you tell someone who's influenced by this Jezebel spirit, no, it begins to manifest in ways that maybe I hope you've never encountered, or maybe you have. So let's get real personal with this. And whatever you do, do not raise your hand. Do we have husbands in the room who are afraid to tell their wives no? Don't raise your hand. If that's the case, that is not of God. Everybody hear that? No husband 
should ever be afraid to tell his wife no. Or the old adage used to be, well, he's just afraid to put his foot down. Because he knows when he does, hers is going to be right on top of it. I'm telling you, this is real stuff, real today. If we don't deal with it, God says he has a way of dealing with it. Look what he says. I'll give her time to repent. If she does not, I will throw her on the bed of sickness. And those who are being swayed along with her in rebellion. By the way, you know what rebellion is? This, is, this really is about rebellion. It's about pride. In fact, I'll tell you what. Take, take your Bibles or your phones, wherever you got, and look at uh, Proverbs chapter 6. <clears throat> By the way, the information on Jezebel and Ahab's in the book of First Kings. Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 16. And you'll see how this person that's being identified personifies the following things. Beginning in verse 16, Proverbs chapter 6. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. So when God says there are seven things that are an abomination to him... That is not something to be taken lightly. That's not trivia. This is to be dealt with. Look what it says. Haughty eyes, pride, lying tongue, deceit, manipulation, hands that shed innocent blood, back to the vineyard, and neighbors, life being taken. But today in our world, we don't always take people's lives physically but we will assassinate their character we will talk about them we'll destroy them with our words and i realize social media has some really good things but sometimes a lot of damage is done to people's character on social media a heart that devises wicked plans feet that run rapidly to evil a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among the brothers. God, God says in his word, he hates this. Did everybody hear me? If you're participating in any way in any of this, stop it in the name of Christ. Do not, do not, do not let your life be used by the enemy to bring damage to the church of Jesus Christ and to other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so easy to fall into it. Because the issue with Ahab was he wouldn't stand up to his wife. And the whole nation was affected. Do not think that others are not affected when we do not do the things that God says we are to do and how we're to do them. He gives the others a chance to repent. And see, the whole point of this is that if the leader, the husband, whatever the role may be, isn't taking the responsibility as they should, what it says to me is God will bring the circumstances in that situation in very unpleasant ways. It even gets worse. And I will kill her children with pestilence. 
And all the churches will know that I am he who shares, or excuse me, searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. This is serious stuff. We can play at it, play around it. We can pretend. But it comes down to whether or not we're willing to be be in such a relationship with God that God does that work of grace where there is true repentance and life is changed. 1 Samuel 15, 23 is part of the account of Saul and Samuel. And Saul rebels against the authority of Samuel the prophet. And the word of God says, rebellion is just the same as witchcraft. See, we, you know, we live in a time and a day where, you know, we kind of, media has pretty much soft-soaped everything so that we can bring right into our homes and on our phones and our devices the things of the enemy and think they're really not serious. There's, it's okay to dabble. And that was exactly what Jezebel was saying to the people at Thyatira. It's okay. It's okay to eat some meat offered to idols. It's okay to attend some of those sexual orgies where there's worship of false gods. It's okay. Just a little bit will hurt you. Just like the community leaders who were very serious when they said to me, it's okay, we'll just sell some alcohol. But think of all the people who are going to get help from the money we get from selling the alcohol. Really? These were not bad people. These were not people who were saying, oh man, we want to do something really stupid. No, these, these are people who I believe have a heart to help other people and still do even today. But it's just that little bit. Just that little bit. So it's okay, just a just a little bit. It's just okay, just a little bit. And that's what that's what she kept saying to the people there. Apparently, from what I've understood as I've studied this over and over and over over the years. It's okay to compromise. It's, it's okay to be involved in telling those kind of stories or participating in those stories that are so contrary to the will and word of God. I would, um, I would hate to think that those of us who are spiritual leaders in our church and our community today would be so unwilling to address the serious issues that need to be addressed that God would have to bring these things into our community. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Now, I'm going to suggest that some of you couples need to have some serious conversations with each other and find out really who is the spiritual leader of your home. And how is that really going? God has a plan. (laughs) 
he's, he's been very clear. And as you heard in the video earlier, there's, there's struggles in it for sure, absolutely. But there is a way that God has created for us to walk this out, live this glory to him. In fact, he goes on. I know that's so very sobering and somber. He says, I'm the one that searches the hearts and minds. I want my heart and mind searched. I want to take the time to be alone with my God and for him to go through me with a fine-tooth comb, as the old saying goes. I don't want anything left there that's not what he wants to be there. And he says, I'm going to give to each one of you according to your deed. We're all going to give an account. You know, we can think, no, it's all right. You know, it's just, we're going to give an account. It says so in the word of God. He's not pulling our legs. He's not pretending. He's not just trying to fill a space in a book. He says, you're going to give an account. Now there's grace, obviously, or we wouldn't be here. We need to walk this out. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching. I love Jesus starts off saying, man, you guys are doing so good. Got this one thing you got to work on. Man, you guys got some great stuff. Who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. He says, guys, I got this. I've worked it out. Submit, surrender, obey. If you love me, you will what? You obey me. That's how this works. You kick against it, you're going to pay for it. That's how this works. But he says, oh, but man, you guys who've not succumbed to those teachings, I place no other burden on you. Man, what a, to my freedom. He's really wanting us to walk this out in freedom. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He says, what you got, hold on to it, man, don't let go. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. <laughs> there are plans that God has for us. Are you kidding me how amazing they are? And he's just saying, I'm looking for the people who are willing to do it my way. You want to try and do it your way? Have at it. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father, I will give him the morning star. Now, so remember, they're in this place of idol worship. Thyatira. And Venus was one of those idols they worshiped. And it was referenced as the morning star. He says, guess what? (laughs) I'm the one that created the morning star. You guys are worshiping something that was created. And then it became idolized. And then it became junk. But he says, I'm telling you, I'm going to give it back. And it's going to be better than it ever was. He who has an ear, he says this all the time. My question to us today, do we have ears to hear? Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He, he just keeps saying it. Are you paying attention? Are you listening? Are you? Are we? And when we go through these churches and we see, look what the amazing things are that God commends. Jesus Christ, he, he is so loving of us. 
In fact, even think about Jezebel. He's so loving. He says, I'm giving her time. I've given her time. I want repentance. I don't want destruction. I want repentance. If you're here. And the Spirit of God has said anything to you through this message today. Let those who have ears hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We are now in this time in history like no other that I understand or know in my study of history where we have the opportunity to be the light for Christ in a world of darkness. And it's not just because we show up here on a Sunday morning for an hour or so. It's how we have life inside of our homes. It's how we are when we are at work or at school or whether we're out in commerce. Wherever we are, wherever we are, God is so desperate to work through us and he's just looking for those who will say, I'm yours. Do what you want to do. If you need to change my plans, change my plans. Be willing, be willing, be willing to let the Spirit of God direct your life because it is imperative in this time of history that we're in that the church of Jesus Christ looks at the churches of Asia Minor and says, man, that stuff is good. It's good. It's good. It's good. That's bad. Take care of it. Deal with that. It's good. It's good. That's bad. Take care. And know, and know that God isn't just telling us this stuff so we can be frustrated or defeated or depressed. But instead, he's wanting us to know all this so we can walk this out and bring glory to his name so that Our Jesus, that we know so personally and so well, is revealed to the people we live with, the people we work with, and the people we do business with, and the people we go to school with. Whatever the case may be, whatever whatever relationship it may be, this is our God. Would you stand? Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, help us today in every way that you desire. We are your church. We are your church. We are your church, Jesus. We are your church. We are your ecclesia. We're the called out ones. And thank you for the privilege, the joy, and the opportunity of so knowing that you, God, are working in our lives, using us in these last days to have the glorious church 
your precious bride. As we step into your presence, when that time is now. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you today, you're our convictor, you're our counselor, and you're our comforter. Manifest your presence in those ways in all of our lives. So we do not go down the road that is not your will and your way. But instead, we take the high road. We pray this in Jesus' precious, precious, precious name. Amen.